Pray with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for gathering us together today, Father. As we open your word, Lord, uh, speak to us today. Renew us with your gospel, Father. Bring hearts to life today, Lord. Pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids, be dismissed to the back um, for their time. Uh, good morning. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church. And um, really excited to be with you guys this morning. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Galatians 6, as Amy read from earlier. Uh, so we've been in Galatians 5, because 5 is before 6, and for the past few weeks, and talking through this idea of our freedom in Christ, that we have been saved for freedom, that as a children of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are a free people, and that is good news for us. We are free people, but also we should be producing fruits. Fruits of the spirits, love, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, all these things. So this church, the church of Jesus Christ should be this church of free people who are producing fruits that people can see. And so today's text asks the question, what happens when this church, when people in this church begin to walk outside of that freedom to show signs of not fruits of the Spirit. How do we proceed in that kind of situation? And so I was thinking about this text and thinking about this message, and I kept thinking about this idea of kind of like these two extremes here, these two extremes of different kind of churches. On one extreme, when you think about this word sin, sitting against God, um, you, you think there's some churches that like, you know what, there's no real truth here. We don't want to be that judgmental thing. We don't want to be this church that kind of pushes people away because that word sin or truth can be kind of exclusive. So we're going to be a community of people. And we're going to serve others. We're going to do life together. We're going to eat meals together. And we have this kind of thing of people together who I guess seem happy, but there's no real truth there. There's no real... Um, preaching or teaching or confessions of sin at all. Sin is not talked about. That's one extreme of this right here, that you, that how you can respond to this. The other extreme is this right here. It's a church, which probably a lot of us grew up in, that takes this idea of sin and adds all these things around it and becomes this heavy weight becomes this legalistic thing where we're always looking at other people, trying to find out what's going on in their lives. So on one hand, we got this one church where we're just kind of together, there's no truth, nothing's really changing. You're just together. And then there's one church, which sounds like no fun at all, which you just show up and people call out your stuff. And, and, you know, Brett did this this morning. Brett Crenshaw, I'm going to call him out right now. So Jeremy DeLoach walks in with a, with a drink, and Brett doesn't say hi. He doesn't say, how are you doing? He says, Jeremy, I thought you stopped drinking Cokes. What's in your drink? I was like, Brett, chill out for one second. This is a picture of that kind of church, thanks to Brett Crenshaw, where we come in, and right away you're getting attacked. 
And it's like, whoa, whoa, I, I get it. And so the question I have for us today, and that Paul's going to kind of talk to us about, there's a much better way in the church of Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. We are free people now through Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, we are free. And, and our lives should look differently. They should. But there is a way that we go about helping each other move forward in this process. So let's go to Galatians 6. Look at uh, verse 1. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. The first word here is you. Paul doesn't say pastors, doesn't say leaders. He says you. So in the church, this idea of talking about sin with each other should be normal. And should be a crazy thing for you to come up to me and say, Jason, I've noticed this about you. Don't do it on Sundays, please. Do it another day of the week. But you come up and you say, something's off here. That should be a normal thing in our church. And that is on all of us, not one person. Not, a, not an elder, not a deacon, not a group leader, not a team leader. It is on the church as a whole to help ourselves in this. So we see this focus on it's our responsibility Look at the words here. It says, you who are spiritual should restore him. You should restore him. This really means to put in order. It means to restore to its original condition. Here's the deal. When we're restoring someone from sin, we're not restoring them from a bad habit. Many times we... We don't think about sin from someone else until that sin affects us. Because we're very selfish in how we kind of call each other out. The point of us restoring each other is not to make our lives better or easier. It's for that person because they're caught up in something, not a bad habit. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. So for a free people... If we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and we're these free, living, and true life people, but then we begin to walk out of line of that. We begin to walk in actual functional death. And so when we restore someone, we're restoring them from death to life. Not just we're restoring so they stop cussing, or they're nicer, or they stop drinking, or they stop looking at this, or they stop saying this, or stop doing this. We're restoring them from death to life. And here's the truth. Many times in the church, especially today, we have an issue where sin is very, very small to us. And there's people today in this room, I believe, that are walking in sin, that are playing with sin, and friends hear this. Sin leads to death. When you start playing with sin, salvation is current faith in Jesus Christ. In Galatians 5, we see Paul run this list of things down about um, immoral, uh, sexual, drunkards, all this whole list of sins, and says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we talk about restoring someone. We are actually helping watch out for their souls, to stay with them, because they're not just in a bad habit, they're walking in death. And we as brothers, that first word in this passage here says brothers, because this goes beyond a person that we sit by on Sundays. In the family of God, when someone is walking out of, out of line, 
Sometimes their soul is at stake. I can't tell you how serious this is today, that we just kind of walk around and think we could try better. No, we have freedom. We have life. And part of the role of the church to help each other walk in this freedom. But two things we need here. First, we must really care for each other. I mean really care. So if Tracy uh, broke her leg, don't do that. If she broke her leg, I would truly care for her. I would help mend her, take her to the hospital, take care of the kids. Do not break your leg. All those things would happen because we are family. Same with my mother or my sister, all these things. But until we understand our freedom, our adoption, and our new identity as brothers and sisters in Christ, it should change the way we sleep at night when a brother or sister is struggling. Are you burdened for the people that we do life with? Are we just kind of here, going through the motions? If I have one role today, I feel like it's to wake us up. That we have a great responsibility, a great task, and a great joy. So we have to really care for each other, but we also must be needy with each other. Hear this. There is not one person in this room that doesn't need to be restored at least once a week or once a day or once an hour. So there has to be this vulnerability, this confession, this humility that says you can speak truth into my life. All right. Don't raise your hands. That's a really scary thing, isn't it? That's hard in a marriage, I feel like, with your spouse. So, so we, have to be, we have to come to a place where we're growing in our freedom and saying, okay, I love God so much. I see my freedom in Christ so much that I have to be vulnerable enough to say, I need help. And the truth is, we sing these songs every Sunday. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And the question is, do you believe that? Are you walking like a foolish person thinking you don't need that? Because church, you do. We have to care for each other, and we have to be needy with each other. But here's the tension in all this. When I talk about restoring, speaking truth to each other, here's what we're all, all thinking in this room probably. We have all seen this done badly, correct? We have all been in a church, in a group, and a, a team, whatever you want to call it. We've been in a situation where this is done badly. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. It says, you who are spiritual. It doesn't say you who attend, or, or you who signed a form, or you who serve in the back with the kids. It says, you who are spiritual. So chapter 5, Paul walks through this freedom in Christ. And that we have these fruits of the Spirit. So a normal thing in the church of Jesus Christ should be free people walking in the power of the Spirit and producing fruits of the Spirit. Those are the people who should restore others. Here's the problem. We've been in churches where people who attend a church try to restore other people who attend a church but have no heart for God. And what you end up with is a bunch of angry people at each other. Because we're all just trying to get better outside of the power of the Spirit. But when truly born again, 
alive people, free in Christ, aware of their adoption in Christ, confront and restore lovingly another person who is born again, who is free in Christ, adopted into the family. That is a picture of the church. And that is good news. And that's what Paul is talking to the church about today and talking to us about today as well. I'm just going to say this. So if you're here today and you're not walking, exhibiting fruit of the Spirit, walking in your freedom, don't restore others. That's off your list. That's off your description. Because the truth is, many of us here have, this, have the bruises from being restored. Does that make sense? By people who only really care about their version of the gospel. Who only care about you looking like them. Who have no true heart for God. So being spirit-filled leads us to how Paul instructs us to restore each other. Because Paul kind of walks through this list here of how we are to restore each other. Let's keep going to verse 1. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. When I think about restoring others or being restored or someone saying, what's scarier than someone saying, hey, can we meet for coffee and talk? That's like the worst text, isn't it? Like, oh gosh, what did I do wrong? And so that's what's so interesting about the spirit of gentleness, which is one of the fruits of the spirit. Hear this. You can't produce gentleness. You can be the nicest person in the world, but out of your own power, your own strength, you cannot produce gentleness. This comes from free people in Christ. Listen, when we restore others, this is heart surgery not like a hammer and a nail. It's not a text you send out. You know what I'm saying? Just FYI, you can't restore somebody on Facebook. Let me just put that out there. That is not a good mode to restore someone. You can't restore someone through a text because we're people, not robots. Does that make sense? Is it easier? Sure. Yes, you're not good at this. Do this better. Talk to you later. That'd be a great conversation, wouldn't it? No coffee, no, no awkwardness, just a, a simple text. But that's just not who we are. Let me, let me say this too. One of the most consistent areas that we're going to be restoring others is in our families. And in our marriages, right? Amen? In our marriages, this comes up all the time. Because there's no one who sees your faults or you see their faults more than a marriage. And so Tracy's blessed to see no faults in her marriage, um, but not all of us are that blessed. And so let's just kind of move forward with this. But we are called, especially in your marriage, and I felt this all the time, even last night I felt this, of restoring in a spirit of gentleness. Not in a spirit of, I'm going to be right, or a spirit of self-righteousness, or in a spirit even of this bothers me, so I'm going to talk to you about this. That is not the primary, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about someone who is caught up in something that's leading them to death. Not that they smack their food. Does that make sense? And so we're called to restore in gentleness. Look at Romans 2.4. It says this, Or do you presume on the riches of, this, of his kindness and his forbearance and his patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you 
to repentance. Listen, not your arguments, not your eloquence, not your well-thought-out reasons for this are going to lead anybody to repentance. God's kindness leads them to repentance. And if we're walking in the ways of Jesus, how kind was Jesus? Think about that. He had all these sinners around him, these tax collectors, these fornicators, these adulterers, all these people around him that were so engrossed in sin. He was so kind and patient and pursuing. He wasn't a hammer and a nail. He was harshest on those who were not kind, who were not gentle, who were not patient. So if we're walking in the ways, in the mode of Jesus... We walk with a gentle spirit. We use gentle words. Our heart is for the people that we're restoring. Gentleness, not self-righteousness. Listen, if we see or we feel ourselves getting puffed up, we should need to stop right there and say that we are not being gentle. When we restore, we must be careful. I could tell you story after story after story of people who have nothing to do with the church of Jesus Christ because this has gone badly for them. Some of you in this room are here because you've experienced this badly. We restore, we must be careful. Look at the end of verse 1. He says, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And then he says this right here. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Listen, we restore with humility. We restore with humility. Because here's the truth. Anytime, anytime you begin to, to speak to someone else about their sin or restore them, you are in a, just a tough predicament. Here's why. Because you begin to see yourself as better than them. The, the bent of a sin nature that we, that we have leads us, when we begin to think about someone else, our eyes get off of Jesus and get onto us, and we get puffed up. And we have to talk to them because they are struggling, and thank goodness we are here to speak this truth to him. Does that make sense? This happens all the time, especially in our marriages. We have, we have, you know in that time in your life with your kids, that one day out of a month where you're like really patient with your kids, and you're, you say kind words to your wife, and you take out the trash, you do all these good things. And always on that one day, your spouse is at their worst, right? And the truth is, we have a, we, we, many times, at least for me, when that happens is when I get puffed up. When I say, hey, Tracy, we need to talk for a minute. What's going on with you today? And this, like, just completely self-righteous thing. And it's funny, but it's just completely true how we're so quick to become self-righteous. We are so quick to forget the gospel. We are so quick to forget the only thing that has made us righteous. And we are so quick to look at ourselves and be so proud of ourselves. That's why Paul says, keep watch on yourself. We are so prone to pride. It is unbelievable. And so we see here in verse, in verse 3 and 4. He says, but let each one test his own work. 
And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. See, Paul is speaking to us saying this right here. He knows when we begin to look at others, we're going to use them as the gauge. We're going to use them as the mark. Well, well, well this person is not nice to his wife, and I'm nice to my wife, so I'm good. Well, well, this person's in debt, and I'm not in so much debt, so I'm good. Well, this person does this. I don't do this, so I'm good. We make that person the mark, and we feel puffed up. We feel prideful. We feel righteous. Keep watch on yourself when you restore others. Because the truth is, what happens, our eyes get off of Jesus and get on ourselves, and that is foolishness. There is nothing that you do or that we do that can make us right, that is lasting, that is joyful. It is foolish to look at ourselves. And the danger of restoring others is when we restore them, we tend to look at our own works instead of the works of Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 6 with me real quick. I was reading this this week, and um, I just want to share it with you guys. It's this great picture of what it really takes to restore someone, I feel like. Isaiah 6, verse 4. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. Whenever you feel special about your works, ask this question. Has the building ever shook by your voice? That has never happened. You have absolutely no power. And that is good news for you to hear, for you to hear today. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then verse 8 says this, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom, should I, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. We can't begin to restore someone if we don't start from a place of humility, a place of brokenness, an awareness of our uncleanness. So we love this, this verse right here. It's on our refrigerator. It says, here I am, send me. And we have been given a role in the church of Jesus Christ. And I hope today you are saying, here I am, God, send me. I am here to do whatever you need. But the first thing is this right here. We must look at God and who God is and the works of God and say, woe is me, I am unclean. Until we get to that place, until you believe that place, you walk in that kind of freedom, do not restore someone. And when you begin to restore someone, keep watch over yourself. Ask yourself, am I restoring from a place of pride or... Am I saying, I am unclean, but Father, use me. Here I am. Because if not, we're going to restore them to our good works, right? We're, gonna, we're not going to restore them to the cross, to their only hope. We're going to restore them to our measure, to how good we are, to how we budget, how we live our lives, to basically the church of Jason Wood. It's a really bad church. Why'd y'all laugh at that? That's not, that's, that's so kind of mean. Um, so we restore them to these things. So spirit-filled people restore each other. We restore gently. We restore with humility. And last thing, we restore by giving each other Jesus. 
nothing else. We restore by giving each other Jesus. We restore them to Jesus because we have been restored by Jesus. The only leg we have to stand on is Jesus. So that's what we point to when we restore them. Look at Ephesians 4. It says this right here. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And here comes how we do this. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Jesus is the truth in love. Jesus is the perfect picture, the only perfect picture of truth and love. Where he actually embodied both things. Where he was truth and he was love. So when we restore people, we're restoring them to the fact that Jesus is better. So friend, this is how this works. So you see, you see your brother or your sister and you talk to them. And you say, friend, I see you walking in this. I see you walking in this sin, in this foolishness. And you press on their heart. Not on the action. You press on the heart, especially with our kids. We press into their heart and ask them, why is it in this moment, in this season, in this time, you're valuing this thing over your life and your freedom in Christ? Not just you have this bad thing that annoys me, but this thing you're walking in is taking you away from true life. And you give them Jesus. Let's keep going in Ephesians 4. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Right now, we're getting a picture of what the church should look like. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And that's the church I pray that we all strive to look like. Not this church where we just kind of show up and we do things and when someone's sinning, we kind of awkwardly talk to them. No, a church filled by the Spirit of God that God is raising and growing up and strengthening and equipping and making this beautiful picture of what God's kingdom looks like. Because here's what's happening. When we lovingly restore each other and we grow into Christ, we become this beautiful body of Christ that a watching world can see. That a watching world can see and say, okay, something is different there. The way they talk to each other, confront each other, love each other, laugh together, serve together, reach out together, something there is different. And it only happens when people who have been set free work together, who are needy and say, we are going to be free together. And if we're not free together, we're going to lovingly restore each other. That's the church that I want to be a part of. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And so I've got, as we wrap up today, I've got really two questions for you. That I want you to, before we take communion today, I want you to just search your heart with. Here's the first. Are you humble enough to be restored 
when you're walking in sin. Right now, if after this service, we walked out back and we had that conversation, are you humble enough? Are you needy enough? You sing the words, Lord, I need you. But are you needy enough for freedom in Christ to open yourself up to restoration? Second, are you walking in the power of the Spirit and able to restore correctly with gentleness and humility? Are you a free person walking in the power of the Spirit where you can lovingly with gentleness and humility restore others? I think all of us in this room can search our hearts today and can repent. Can be restored right there in our little weird green chairs. We can sit there and let God work on our hearts. And I have no greater prayer today than for God to speak to you. For God to open your heart and do heart surgery with his kindness and his gentleness. That's what a loving father does. Because I pray that we are a church that just looks a little weird. You know what's weird to lovingly, with humility and gently to confront someone? That is weird nowadays. What is normal is to blast them on social media. I pray that we are different. That we're truly a free people. So we move to communion. Which is the meal for the restored, right? Jesus' body and blood restored us. So when we partake in this, we are proclaiming that we are free in Christ. So today, if you're not free in Christ, either you've never made that decision to believe and trust in his gospel, or you're just kind of walking in sin, not in the power of the Spirit, don't take this today. Or just pause, do work with God, pray with someone else, and take communion. But don't take this flippantly. We do this weekly, so sometimes it becomes just a routine. But let's pause today and think about this church we see in Ephesians 4 and ask ourselves, are we free people who are building up this church in Christ Jesus? Are we just here? Listen, you can be here and serve and do a lot of good things, but not walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray.